0: Happy New Year, people who listen to this podcast. This is Bethy um, giving you perhaps the most skippable episode of this podcast ever made, and that's a guarantee. All we got here is sort of a grab bag for 2019 for the holidays that have just finished, unless you Enunciation, in which case you've got five more days left of your festivities. Happy twelfth night. Uh, first we have Colin Jenkins, my husband, interviewing me for Pasadena City College Radio. Um, he talks to me about shiny floor television, which was what I do for a living is, is right about that. That's fine. Uh, And then immediately after that, what we have is uh, me walking angrily and talking even more angrily about Louis C.K., drafting notes for an op-ed that will probably never see the light of day. And then after that, uh, we have a lovely interview with Brick Daniel Kyle, my photographer friend from Bloomington. So peep this this is something for you to peep if you are interested and have a safe and healthy new year
1: Good morning, it's the Lancer Radio Network, streaming live at LancerRadioNetwork.org. I'm Colin. I'm here with Bethy Squires, a writer, researcher, TV critic, playwright, anything else? Rack on tour. Rack on tour, sure. Uh, living in Hollywood. Uh, and we're going to talk to her this morning about um, something she's been writing about for Vulture.com for a little while. And that is, uh, well, it's what you uh, have referred to a lot as shiny floor television. That's right. What What is shiny floor television?
0: Shiny floor TV is a term that was taught to me by Guy Branham, an amazing comedian and host of Talk Show, the Game Show. And it is, you know how on game shows, talk shows, uh, panel shows, the floors are incredibly shiny.
1: That's often the case. Yes.
0: Hence the name. Okay. Um, there's actually somebody's job to like swiffer the floor before they air. Like about five minutes before air, it's like two interns' jobs to actually make sure the <laughs> shiny floors are super duper shiny.
1: Do what? What benefit do they gain from having like a super shiny floor?
0: Um, I think that it adds like high contrast. which probably attracts people's eyes better. I think if you're saying that there is an actual material value, I think it's more a
1: measurable game. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, the shiny floor is more about highlighting the artifice of the show. Okay, like in real life, floors are not shiny, but on fancy-dancy game shows, the shores, the floors are shiny. Okay,
1: so uh, I, to to clarify a little bit, you've been writing about late-night TV for Vulture.com, correct? Uh, for a couple months now. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and yeah, you do like a, a weekly wrap up of the week in late night. Mm-hmm. Um, did you watch late night shows as a kid?
0: <laughs> no, I did
1: not. No? <laughs> but you're but you're writing about them now.
0: Correct. I, yeah, I did not care about late night shows as a kid very much. Um, but now that I'm paid to, I am engrossed. OK. <laughs>
1: thoroughly. What? Well, uh, what, what grabs you about them?
0: What I love about Late Night is that something has to go up every night. Mm. So it really scrapes the sides of the barrel, the mustard jar of their creativity. Uh, anything and everything happens on Late Night. There was one week where it was nothing but got dog content for every show. It just happened to have puppies on that week, I think, because it had been like a hard news week. <laughs> They're all hard news weeks right now. I think we can expect more puppies. <laughs> but yeah, there was, there was one game show on Jimmy Fallon where Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things and Candace Bergen both sat in easy chairs and answered questions. And every time they got a question right, a golden retriever puppy was put on their lap.
1: I, that's wonderful.
0: It's compelling television. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. Candace Bergen and puppies. I love it. Um, what makes a good guest on one of these shows?
0: A good guest has to be concise, concise. Uh, Guy Brandon would say that you have to do a name drop. Mm. He's my friend. We're close. <laughs> uh, you have to be able to plug your projects. Okay. You have to have good stories and be able to have a little bit of give and take with the host and understand that you are there to be interviewed. So you have to talk about yourself.
1: OK. Who's been who's been good recently?
0: <laughs> Tiffany Haddish.
1: Oh, yeah. oh yeah.
0: She's the queen of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She can hang.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What what was. What was. Uh, what made her appearances so good?
0: She just immediately makes everyone feel comfortable. It's almost like she's hosting the show. The minute she's in, she steps in. She's like, "I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do this." The host has to do very little to get the anecdotes rolling. She always has a new story about something weird that's happened to her with a celebrity, and that is the meat and potatoes of any late night topic. It's like I, the, her story about going the Groupon Swamp Tour with <laughs> Will and Jada, I, like yeah. that got her Groupon spawn.
1: That's awesome. Um, there have also there are notoriously some some horrible guests too. Uh, yes. yes. Who 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 crashes and burns?
0: Um, anybody who thinks they're above it, uh, they're going to be bad because they can't they cannot hang as you said. Uh, and then all of like the teens. Timothy Chalamet is not a good guest because he's like, how are you, man? For some reason, he feels <laughs> like it's important to ask the like talk to the hosts. But we see the hosts every night. We only see Timothy Chalamet. Honestly, every night because he's in trailers. But
1: that's true. Yeah, we're getting a lot of uh, Chalamet content. So
0: if we're in peak Chalamet right now, <laughs>
1: he's. I think he's got. I think he's got a, uh, some heights to climb still.
0: He's kind of. I feel like he is the new Leonardo DiCaprio. Like he started out. Oh, yeah. yeah, so he's not going to get. All right,
1: uh, we're going to take a quick break, um, but we'll be back with more uh, from Bethy Squires uh, here on the Lancer Radio Network, streaming live at lancerradionetwork.org. we'll Be right back. Welcome back to the Lancer Radio Network, streaming live on lancerradionetwork.org. I'm Colin Jenkins, and I'm here with Bethy Squires, a writer, raconteur, <laughs> bon vivant, sure. living in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, and we're talking to her about the uh, subject she's been writing for uh, Vulture.com for a while, uh, about late-night television, or as you say, shiny floor TV. Um, so the late-night uh, the late night talk shows are, as you say, a daily format. Uh, You've got to put something up every day. Uh, so they're kind of by nature topical often. There's often jokes about news, especially the monologues. Mm-hmm. Um, as you may have noticed, uh, the news is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and how how has how has late night uh, handled how bonkers everything is?
0: I'm gonna say not well. okay. Um, the problem is every week something is crazier. So every week they have to say that every week something is crazier. Every week they say, every week we say things can't get any worse, and yet they do. <laughs> it has become the chorus of our age.
1: Yes, wow, yeah. Um, a couple of the hosts nowadays. Uh, sorry, um, Seth Meyers, Ma- Ma- Seth, Ma- Seth Meyers, and uh, and. Uh, uh, we have we have hosts who who have done news stu- news comedy before. Sure,
0: like all the Daily Show yeah. alums. Yeah,
1: the Daily Show alums, the uh, um, Colbert, Stephen Mich- Colbert. Of course, that's his name. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, uh, they've done this before, basically. Yeah, and now they're doing it in a. Kind of a very different setting, and it, and it feels different. How how would you how have you noticed um, well, that? Well,
0: it, it, Colbert has changed a lot because now he gets to actually say his opinions. Mm-hmm. Before, when he was doing the Colbert Rapport, he was doing a character, he was doing a bit, and he could only point things out by stating the opposite of what he actually believed very loudly. Whereas now, there's a lot more earnest pleas, a lot more um, actually talking about his Catholic faith on TV, which That's is yeah. interesting. And generally... Uh, being able to directly engage with the audience. Um, but people, I, I don't know if people like one more than the other, honestly. The, his audiences still chant Stephen, 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 which That's, I find absurd. Yeah, but okay. every night. <laughs>
1: um, and meanwhile, uh, Jimmy Kimmel has kind of been politicized in his own way.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel is like a, prank guy Mm. and when he when he pranks up versus pranking down Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know the the concept of punching up versus punching down in jokes like where the the humor has to be at
1: yeah kind of uh whether you're making fun of somebody in power or somebody powerless
0: yes And so when he pranks up, like when he challenges Ted Cruz to a basketball game, that's very fun. But when he pranks down, like telling kids that or having parents tell their kids that they've eaten all of their Halloween candy, it gets truly exhausting. Wow. He does a lot of man on the street stuff where he just like points out that people walking on the Hollywood Walk of Fame are stupid. And I don't know who that's helping. I don't know who that's for, that -hmm. content.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh well, it's been a standby of uh late night for a while.
0: Yeah, there's always, you know, man on the street and like, oh gorsh, look at him. But it mm-hmm. does feel bad or were it bad in a different way than it used to because so much of the rhetoric being put up there by the people in power is that uh these coastal elites don't respect you. And then there's jimmy kimmel openly disrespecting the people on the street
1: <laughs> well thank you for uh, for your insights on the world of shiny floor television uh bethy can be found on twitter at uh, bethy bsku that's yeah. uh, at b-e-t-h-y b-s-q-u on twitter uh vulture.com you got your late night wrap up and uh you're a researcher on season three of adam ruins everything which premieres on november 27th uh this is the lancer radio network at streaming live at org.
0: Here's the thing about old fucks. They're still operating on the doors aesthetic where the most radical cool fucking hip shit thing they could ever do was say make a reference to drugs on the Ed Sullivan show and everyone was like, "Oh my god, did they do that?" How? Trey. Oh no, she didn't. But in fact, she did. And that has been the template for art for a very long time but here's the thing the doors fucking suck they're bad to listen to aesthetically from just like a formic almost Aristotelian place the doors are not good to listen to perhaps they broke down barriers but bitch have you seen the internet the barriers have broken down just saying the most radical thing you can say is boring It is teenage, it is old, it's got to be one of those, it is simultaneously sophomoric and ancient. It's the most hack thing you can do and it's fucking boring. People who think that it's still very fascinating to talk about risque subjects and like fight against perceived censors. Believe that there are censors, but there are not censors. There used to be like standards and practices people who were the man whose whole thing was to keep freedom of expression tamped down because of like alleged like decency, but that's gone. (laughs) Again, bitch, have you seen the internet? Uh, You can say anything. (laughs) people say everything. There are no rules, but unlike the Outback, it is not just right. And what that means is that I'm allowed to say what I want in response to what you said. That is freedom of speech, is you say a thing and I say, hey, that thing fucking sucked. And everyone has exercised their freedom of speech. And the man was not involved even once. The tragedy of the old, old man, the old, ancient, crusty comedian man, is that he spent his whole life shouting, fuck you, dad, but does not realize that he is now, in fact, dad. Here's the thing, dude. You're dad. You're the old one. You're the one laying down strictures on what can and cannot be said. I'm just saying the thing you said was stupid and that you shouldn't be... Mm, considered good at what you do. I'm not saying you can't say it. I'm just saying that what you said was fucking dumb. That's the difference. Hello, and welcome to Not Great, the show where we canonize the shit and shit on the canon. I am Bethy Squires. I just got my um, photo taken by the brilliant right, Daniel Kyle. Hello. Hello. And we are going to be talking about art. We're going to be talking about what you've been binging. We're mm-hmm. going to go through it, and we're going to find the themes. The thing about sure. the show, most of the time, is that people pick one thing that they think is super underrated, that people think is trash, that is actually treasure, and then they'll pick something that is super overrated, that is just fucking awful, actually. People are like, the Godfather, and you're like, fuck the Godfather, whatever it may be. But since we just did a photo shoot, I was wondering what you think are overrated or underrated moves in photography at the moment.
2: Um, I'm still fresh. I think... A lot of photography is trash, mm. so I'm trying to make some quiet, trashy, trashy treasure.
0: I so think for, that's, so. I, I, what I appreciate is, is the high camp that you're bringing mm-hmm. to your photos. I think something that you were definitely resisting was whenever I was trying to give you a model face or be sort of blank and sculptural, you were like, mm, don't do that. We had a whole set of uh, me trying to light seven cigarettes in my mouth. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, I will smoke those later. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't stand, uh, like, stoic model. I don't know, I, I just don't think it's interesting or fun to look at or even fun to edit.
0: Yeah, I think emotionless femme, uh, like, I'm hoping is, is getting over.
2: Yeah, I can, we can only hope
0: so. Stoic femme is not fun. Yeah. I think that is something that is hard... As, as somebody who needs to be photographed occasionally for work reasons, or just to like you know keep the brand out there, <laughs> um, I don't want to try and look hot because I don't think that's where my power is. I don't yeah. think that's where my power lies yeah, in yeah. in trying to be hegemonically beautiful.
2: Sure, I mean you are, but
0: <laughs> it was not a fish. I'm just saying that like the my face moves. My face is elastic, and I think that's the point. Yeah. Is that I I can make it go roll Squinchy.
2: Yeah, and that's what I'm interested in, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I'm used to shooting drag queens, Mm -hmm. and so the camp value has to be there. Um, I don't know.
0: Uh, Why do you shoot drag queens? Uh,
2: They're (laughs) my main clients, I guess. I work at a queer bar, so... Um, I only know drag queens. there's just
0: plentiful on the ground. Yeah, they're plentiful.
2: Um,
0: You know some kings, too.
2: Yeah, I've shot a few kings. They're pretty cool. They're harder to shoot.
0: Why do you think that is?
2: Um, because I don't really know how to shoot men. Mm. Or like a manly... I don't know, I watched too much Next Top Model as a kid. So I have all these, like, fantasies about photography. Um...
0: That's interesting that you're taking it from a top model perspective. I see that now, you're like, do you want to try on a wig? Let's try emotion. Yeah. There's, there is something sort of a physical challenge going on with the
2: <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm self-taught, so I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I just know how to make it look cute, um, I guess, I hope.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all in the editing, too. I mm-hmm. believe in a good edit.
0: That's something that I need to work on. So when you're getting the lights right, it's not necessarily because you think that that's the best look now, it's that it's giving you the best raw data to, like, draw out?
2: Um, I don't really know. I just like playing with uh, shadow and color and whatever just pops, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking for. I just know when and if I find it, and then I lose it immediately.
0: Let's talk about the difference between a queer bar and a gay bar.
2: Uh, a queer bar is, like, a umbrella-inclusive, mm-hmm. um, and a gay bar, I feel like, I don't know, uh, the clientele is usually just homogenous.
0: Yeah, I feel like most, I live Emphasis in L.A., not yeah. to brag, but sure. I live in Los Angeles, and I think a lot of the gay bars there, not only just cater to gay men, but, like, there are different bars for different demos of gay men. Right. And it's almost all cis gay men.
2: Yeah. That's a lot of gay bars in the country. I haven't been to too many queer bars like the back door. Um,
0: I've been to friends in Baltimore and that had the good vibe. The pan pan holistic Alliance. <laughs> yeah. Queer yeah. mantle.
2: Um, and also like we're in Indiana and we can't really have a bar that caters to
0: one. Sort. It's all about alliances. Yeah,
2: we should see where these people come from.
0: <laughs> I do have a lot of trouble just hanging out in WeHo, if I'm being honest with you.
2: Yeah, it's like it was damaging. Although when I went in May, um, I went to a Starbucks and I think I saw, well, I know I saw Katya when mm-hmm. we ordered coffee right next to each other, but um, she was out of.
0: She was on her hiatus. She too. was on her
2: hiatus, yeah. So she had a full beard. And I almost died. I didn't say anything. I didn't say hi. Um, I did we I think we did meet side eyes.
0: I love it. Yeah. I have a spreadsheet for my nosy star friends. Yeah. Um, Sarah Cologge back home. I made a Google spreadsheet of every celebrity that I see and wear.
2: That's handy.
0: It's not a map yet, but maybe it'll be a map later. Sure.
2: Yeah. I love spreadsheets. I do, too. The idea... The
0: illusion of order. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty fun. Um, Yeah, but the problem I find with being in um, WeHo a lot of the time is that a lot of it is for, like, a particular capitalist side of gaydom. Yeah.
2: I mean, whoever has the money... Mm-hmm. um i still like it you do yeah um i don't know i'm i'm from a small town so like
0: having like a full-on gayborhood is just like a nice yeah thing.
2: well yeah i just like gaycation really mm. um it's nice to see other places
0: other gay places yeah other
2: gay places
0: have you gaycationed anywhere else besides um, los angeles
2: Yeah, I've been to Denver and Miami and New York and Chicago a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chicago's fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What have you been watching lately?
2: Um, This weekend I was sad, so I uh, binge-watched Haunting of Hill House.
0: Okay, I haven't seen it yet. Tell me about it.
2: It's good. Uh, I hated the first and the last episode, but everything in between was great. Um, it was scary. I screamed, and I don't talk louder than this. Um, <laughs> I did a, a guttural yell, and I was—I surprised Alarm. myself.
0: I heard that show is way more sad than it is scary. Oh, for
2: sure. Well, I mean, it's like ghosts, and like ghosts come from grief, I guess, mm. and they so like rely on that. Um, it's based off of Shirley
0: Jackson. Shirley Jackson, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And I feel like the best rendition is still The Haunting, the movie. Yeah. Catherine.
0: The the 60s haunting is still a classic. Yeah. For sure. It also really inspired the Imagineers who made the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland. Yeah. So, uh, and you can, like, really see it when you go through the ride. There's, like, wallpaper that has faces and doors that swell and weird knockings and all this stuff that is, like... The, the the central thesis of that version of The Haunting is, like, nothing is scarier than something. Yeah. Does this version of The Haunting have something? Or is it still nothing? Uh,
2: there's a lot of ghosts.
0: Okay, so there are ghosts.
2: Yeah. Um, the show's pretty gay, too. Or lesbian, which is a nice touch.
0: Yeah, the, the themes are definitely present in the book and the movie. Yeah. There's the total... Like, well, Theo kind of is sort of a depraved bisexual in the yeah. book and movie.
2: She's very depraved in this season. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, aren't they in in the Netflix version, Theo and Nell are like sisters in the Crane family or something?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a whole family and I think they added a few characters.
0: But they kept like the names of all these people who aren't related in the yeah. source material. Yeah,
2: yeah yeah, yeah. They
0: made waves. That's interesting. I don't know how to feel about that. It was fine. I've, I've uh, read the, the Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. and it's like one of the few older books that I've actually been able to finish. It's like that and Jane Eyre and everything else I had trouble getting through.
2: Yeah, I think I might have started it mm-hmm. a few years ago.
0: I started We Have Always Lived in the Castle, and I did not get that far. Yeah. I feel like a bad person.
2: I saw that book last night.
0: You saw just that that book exists?
2: Yeah, I just saw that it exists.
0: I took note of this book (laughs) existing last night.
2: Yeah. I might read it. I don't know. I'm reading um, Pet Cemetery now, which is also very sad.
0: Yeah, that one is also completely about grief. Yeah. Um,
2: And I also binged forever on Amazon.
0: Oh, yeah. Prime. I watched the first half of the first episode. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't know if I like this. And I knew there was a spoiler, so I spoiled, like, I knew there was a big twist, so I spoiled myself on the twist. And now I do kind of want to watch it. Yeah. Now that I know the twist.
2: It was funny. Um, I laughed a few times.
0: (laughs) Which, again, is a big moment for you.
2: (laughs) It's a huge moment. Out loud, yeah.
0: Why do you think you're so soft-spoken?
2: I always have been. I don't know. I'm just shy. Um,
0: Colin is the same way. Like, even if... It's us by ourselves. He, like, barely goes above a whisper, like, at all times.
2: Yeah, there's no need, really. (laughs) (sighs) Who needs to hear me? I mean, loud
0: (laughs) people are probably the worst people. I think
2: so, too. Although, they get their energy from other places. Mm. Speaking loudly, I guess. I don't know.
0: I don't know. A lot of people who are loud, I don't think, even want attention Like, they're not being loud for that reason. It's like they just don't know how to gauge the tone of their voice. It's scary. I don't. I don't, and I can't.
2: I cannot. What have you been binging?
0: What have I been binging? I've been returning to a lot of things. I've been re-upping my Fraser intake. Oh, sure. That's a a well to which I return frequently.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Binging The Good Place in advance of it coming out. So good. Yeah. I love The Good Place. Um, oh God, there was something that I like finished and I was obsessed with for a little bit. No, I didn't finish it. I started a different, um, grief ghost show kind of called, um, Glitch. Oh. It's on Netflix. It's Australian. And it's weird. Glitch has the same plot, like the same establishing premise as a show called Les Revenants from france that also got made into a different show in america yeah was called i think the returned in america yeah and i find it really weird that so many people have done like the same idea of like you know six or so people from a small town come back from the dead and they don't know why and sometimes they rot sometimes they don't and it's all a big ontological mystery yeah how do you feel about, like, big mystery shows where you don't understand the nature of reality until, like, episode six?
2: It's a hassle. I don't know. Um, I don't like a lot of sad shows
0: mm-hmm.
2: just because it's a lot. Um, sometimes I'll do it. I can't think of any. Um, it's got to be spooky.
0: Yeah. There's no point in it being confusing if it's not also scary.
2: Yeah. I tried Castle Rock, and I couldn't get past episode, like, three or four.
0: I think that's about where I stepped, too. Yeah.
2: I mean, I like it, but I just can't right now. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I honestly, I haven't watched A Star Is Born yet for the same, like, I don't know when I'm going to be up for this experience. I know. I'm not ready.
2: Um, I don't know if I'll ever see it. I'm not a huge Lady Gaga fan. I'm not not a fan. I'm just, like...
0: I wouldn't say I'm a huge Lady Gaga fan, but I'm an admirer. Sure, yeah. I, for some reason, really like that Netflix documentary of her when she's, like, working on and promoting Joanne.
2: Five foot two? Five foot two. Is that how tall she is?
0: One assumes.
2: Yeah, it's very short.
0: Yeah. I guess that's why she's always in giant heels.
2: Yeah. Um, I liked Big Mouth.
0: Big Mouth's good.
2: Yeah. And I just watched the first episode of Charmed. New and Charmed? I'm worried. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried. I don't know. It's just... I feel like they're monetizing the Me Too movement in mm. like a kind of a creepy way.
0: Like, how? What's going on on that show?
2: Um, that was just like the biggest theme of the first episode. Um, was
0: that like they all experienced like violence or like sexual harassment? I don't
2: know. It's like their first. I don't want to spoil it.
0: I think it's the pilot you can spoil.
2: Okay. Well, the first episode was based off of like a, the demon was like a creepy wheelchair guy that turned out to be like. The Lord of Ice from Game of Thrones. I don't know. They, mm. I feel like they borrowed a lot. Um, I wasn't impressed. But I like that they're doing the Me Too thing.
0: I think this is something that... When you do a supernatural explanation for... Like, gendered violence or anything with like, the dominant hierarchy... I think that is such a cop-out that is something that actually does really get on my nerves like in Twin Peaks
2: yeah
0: uh, spoiler for Twin Peaks I guess <laughs> fucking her dad did it but he was possessed by like a demon so it's not that he's just a regular old child molester who himself was molested and is perpetrating a cycle of violence it's a spooky otherworldly outside source of this problem sure and that's fucking bullshit, because dads just sometimes molest their kids.
2: That's true. And,
0: like, kill them. That is real, and there's not a spooky tulpa to, like, <laughs> blame. Yeah. It's not a guy who just happened to be in the wrong shot in, like, the game of life. It's just because some dads suck. Some dads do suck. You know? hmm So, I, I think that that can be done very poorly. I think sometimes you get that it's just like a metaphor to explain something but mm-hmm. when when it's like something when it's a possession or it turns out the 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 mean man was actually a demon all along it's like no sometimes they are just mean men yeah like get over yourself stop
2: relying on that demon yeah
0: yeah the demon's a cop out
2: yeah
0: I don't know Buffy did it well
2: yeah, yeah. I saw up until like season five I tried watching it all at once and I got lost.
0: No, you don't have to keep going. Yeah. I stop after four usually, or like after Dracula. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. Well, I need to get dinner soon. I think this is a cool minisode that we did in between what we're doing uh, today and tonight. We just shot, and then we're going to watch The Conjuring 2 and make fun of it. Yeah. At At the back door. That's a movie... I don't know why I'm obsessed with the Conjuring series, but I am. It's like, they're so weirdly craven. Like, Conjuring 1 has like a... 20-minute subplot about Annabelle just so that you're excited for when Annabelle comes out and you buy tickets to Annabelle. Sure. And this movie has, like, a 20-minute plug for The Nun so that you're excited for The Nun when it comes out. Did you see The Nun? I saw The Nun in theaters. I was so stoked for The Nun because the movie fucking worked. It tricked me into going to The Nun and spending money on it in theaters. I
2: mean, I got the jump scare in the preview, and I feel like I've seen it.
0: It's like... It's not it's the it's not the jump scares that do it, it's like the the looming stuff or like the way like I like the way that those movies do practical effects. Yeah. So we're gonna see that soon. So we love that nun. Brick, where can people find your work?
2: Uh, check me out on Instagram, um at Hey
0: And I'm at Bethy Squires on Instagram and at BethyBSQU on Twitter and I still don't have an internet presence for this show and I bet I won't. Bye!